everybody, and welcome to All the WrestleManias, the podcast. I'm your co-host, Tim Hackman. And I'm your co-host, Rich Sigwald. We are excited to be back in the studio with you. It's a rainy day, kind of gray. It's not very nice, so this is a great time to just huddle up inside a soundproof closet and talk about some wrestling with the good buddies. What do you think? Oh, yeah. Well, it's always a good time to talk wrestling, especially down in your basement with a backdrop <laughs> of, of nerdy board games. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, this we've had an action-packed time period of wrestling here. It's been insane. I don't insane. know if I've ever watched this much wrestling in like what I don't know how many hours like just let's just say a seven day period this is probably the most I've ever watched like ever yeah it's pushing over saturation but it's not <laughs> right I watched uh we watched both nights of Wrestlemania I watched the NXT pay-per-view on I watched it on the replay so I didn't watch it Saturday um and then of course all of the the nightly or the weekly shows so NXT Raw uh AEW um even God help me, I watched uh, the first two episodes of the AEW Access show. Good lord! Have you watched, man. Have you watched any of that? No, I have not. Uh, I, you know, it's it's oddly interesting. I don't know that I can recommend it. Um, it's uh, making me think that the Bucks are as big of douches as we thought they were, except bigger. Uh, mm-hmm. So even I can see that. even yeah. yeah, even my wife is like, yeah, these guys are just giant dorks like she's she's not yeah. impressed no. um sammy guevara gets a lot of scream time he's uh and he's also kind of douchey um so far yeah. the only person who's kind of come out looking like a cool dude is eddie kingston because like sammy guevara's like, like this is the peer, period where they got into a little bit of a kerfuffle backstage i guess and eddie uh-huh. got um suspended and so in one episode sammy's trying to be like hey dude are we cool and eddie's just kind of like yeah whatever man fuck off <laughs> he doesn't nice. say that but like that's kind of his tone he's just I like it's cool it's solid so. effort on his part <laughs> yeah and he just he looks like a total slob backstage as well which i appreciate so. he's your car mechanic here to beat you up yeah <laughs> <laughs> well you don't like our prices how, how about this yeah so anyway <laughs> But, um, yeah, so we thought we would talk a little bit about uh, WrestleMania 39. Um, oh, I should probably say this episode is actually about the WCW Bash at the Beach from 1996. Sort of a important show, and we'll get into the reasons why. I'd say it's part of our ongoing series of big Hulk Hogan moments. Uh, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So eventually we're going to put together sort of like the, the Hulk Hogan audio biography from uh, all these different shows, right? Sure, yeah. We can, we can bundle them together as an audiobook and make yeah. literally tens of dollars. <laughs> yeah, well, so we had the AWA Super Sunday, which was his sort of aborted attempt to get in the belt. And then, of course, we did WrestleMania 1. We did WrestleMania 3. Um, and did we do another big Hogan one? Yeah, we did the uh, him beating the Sheik at, at uh, Madison Square Garden oh, yeah, to win the title course. for the first time. And, of course. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That was a hot one. Um, anyway, this is this was not a great show. I gotta say, I, this is sort of a one match show, but we'll we'll talk about it. Yeah. Um, so WrestleMania anyways, is just staring you right in the face. Oh my yeah. god, <laughs> it's right there. It's really hard to it's hard to deal with. Um, so we I think we both watched uh, both nights, right? Yep. Yep. Um, live, I watched both nights completely live, which is a miracle. Yeah, congratulations. Yeah, I'm very happy about it. I'm proud of myself, too, for putting up with it. (laughs) 
it was a lot. I think we don't not gonna, we're not going to talk about every episode, but so so night one, a um, couple of highlights. I think uh, the the Seth Rollins versus Logan Paul match was actually pretty decent. Yeah, yeah Seth Rollins has got to be the next top contender. I I'd assume at yeah, this point, uh, him beating Logan Paul, who was a challenger to to uh, Roman Reigns and. What Rollins was the last person to beat Roman Reigns, right? Something I do like believe, yeah. yeah. So uh, I think they're they're looking at a major take him up a level here. And Logan Paul again continues to impress, despite the fact that we hate that he's famous. Yeah. Um, the uh, I thought the Rey Mysterio versus Dominic Mysterio match was kind of fun, dramatic, satisfying. Yeah. Um, it was what it had to be. Yeah. Dominic is still disappointment in the ring. <laughs> he's gotten much better, but he's yeah he still has a way to go. For me, the the highlight by far the first night was the Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte Flair match. I thought that was an excellent match. It was a that very was good a, match, a singles match for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Um, Charlotte came in as the champion. Rhea Ripley, of course, started at number one in the Royal Rumble and won the Royal Rumble, which is how she got her shot here, and she came out on top as we sort of expected that she would. Yeah, that was a fantastic match. Good hard hitting. It was nice to see Charlotte Flair not to have to carry someone through a match as we had been having to watch her carry Ronda Rousey so many times. Uh, yeah, I, I got a big kick out of that match. And I liked the, the main event of night one, the Usos versus Sammy and, uh, Kevin Owens. I thought that was a very, while not the cleanest match, it had excellent storytelling in it. Storytelling that I haven't seen come out of a WWE match in a very long time. Yeah, I think that whole feud and um, story with the the bloodline and Kevin and Sammy has been fantastic. It's been very entertaining. Um, I guess they're, I don't know if they're going to, they're going to have to continue it somehow. I think they'll do it with Solo maybe and Roman. I'm not sure exactly what happens to the Usos now after WrestleMania, but uh, hopefully that that will sort of continue to to brew there. I don't really expect um, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn to hold the belts that long. Um, no, I think we talked about that on the preview episode because it's sort of they're not really a tag team. You know, they're like two buddies who can also barely stand each other at this point. Yeah, I mean, I would see them holding until SummerSlam, and then maybe someone like the Street Profits or something like that dethrone them. I'd be all right with that. The Street Profits are great. Yeah. Um, other matches for night one were Austin Theory and John Cena. John Cena looked not so great. Austin no, Theory John looked... Cena needs to call it a, call it quits. <laughs> he was not ready. Uh, Austin Theory looks sharp as hell. Um, there was a big fatal four-way tag match I didn't care about. There was a six-women tag match I didn't care about. Pat McAfee and The Miz got into it. Um, oh, that one had the... Uh, Shane McMahon oh, no. blowing out his quad. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to wait. Was that, the, that was night two. Was it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was right where Snoop Dogg came in. Yeah, uh, uh, that was a that was an all time save right there. Oh yeah. Um, so night night one's pretty good. I would give it like uh, I don't know four stars maybe three point yeah. seven five. Yeah, I mean if they would have called it quits there, it would have been underwhelming WrestleMania, but a very good other premium live event. Yeah, agreed. And if they would have swapped out a couple of those matches for say the Gunther uh, IC match and. Even the Snoop Dogg Miz uh, thing, that would have been a great one-night event, you know, in the main event, obviously. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to keep us up until almost midnight, you might as well just do all the big stuff on one night and just do it. <laughs> and I don't know. I don't 
think anybody was asking for fatal four way tag matches on both nights. Um, no. So, um, so night two kicked off with Lesnar and Omos. Um, I was interested in that one, but that was not that went good. about how I expected it to. Yeah, it went a little longer than I expected it to, but it went about how I expected it, except for we got the winner wrong. Yeah, we totally did. Um, Gunther versus Sheamus and Drew McIntyre. The triple threat match for the Intercontinental Championship was a fucking that was lit. That was I started sweating during that match. That was intense. <laughs> I, that was really good. That was possibly one of the best Intercontinental title matches in a very long time. Probably the best triple threat match I've seen them do. And again, it was excellent storytelling on on the part of all three people in that ring. And uh, rest in peace, Sheamus's chest. Good Lord. <laughs> Sweet Jesus. <laughs> Gunther is amazing. He's going to continue to be. Uh, I hope that he gets next in line for um, Roman Reigns eventually. Uh, they'll have to move him up the ladder a little bit yet. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing him and Cody feud. Yeah, that'd be all right. He'd be a good heel for Cody, too. Yeah. <laughs> the Snoop Dogg uh, defeating The Miz uh, when Shane comes in and blows out his quad. Was it an all-time amazing save? I really... I, he just he went right to it, dropped a big elbow. That was fucking yeah, awesome. It was an incredible save on his part, and honestly, that's what it should have been to begin with. <laughs> you don't need Shane McMahon in there. You really don't. He got what he deserved. <laughs> no, you just have you just have Snoop sucker punch him and sucker punch the Miz, and then land that elbow, and then steal a win and run off with it. Yeah. The uh, Hell in a Cell match was marred by Finn Balor getting his skull absolutely laid open by a ladder. Good call on their part to actually pausing that match. Uh, you know, after seeing the aftermath of what what actually happened to <laughs> Finn's uh, Finn's head, uh, <laughs> good 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 stoppage, and yeah, good for I've, him for fighting through it. Yeah, dude got staples and then kept fighting. Yeah, um, uh, awful. But anyway boring go away edge we're tired of you uh, main event so obviously very contentious very controversial i think almost everybody expected cody rhodes to win that is not what happened no so right through my phone <laughs> through my phone i was so angry i couldn't I believe it disappointed yeah and then i realized it was like they got me they oof, they got me they reeled me right in they set me up and knocked me right down they got me. the the old rope and dope. Oh yeah, I got I was the dope for sure <laughs> on that. <laughs> Indeed, you were. Yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about that. So at first, I was I was pissed, and then I watched Raw, and I watched the first like I don't know 45 minutes of Raw the next night. I'm like, wow, like the heat on this guy is incredible, and maybe that was a smart move after all. Um, and then, of course, the, just the baffling end to Raw where Brock Lesnar comes out and fucks over Cody. Yeah. At this point, though, if whoever's going to dethrone Roman Reigns, he's going to be the guy, right? He has to be the one that they're, like, committed 100% to, you know, they're they're hitching their cart to whatever horse they want to pull them for the next three years. Because, I mean, whoever beats Roman can't gen just lose over and over like lose it immediately so if you're not 100 percent sold on cody's dedication or whatever then yeah i get it and then also it does kind of elevate cody because like cody and roman had an excellent match this was a great match it and was. for it to clearly be that cody got screwed over 
it just it just boosts that story even more. I was kind of hoping that they would do a dusty finish, just like in honor of his dad. Just like be like yeah. like some sort of commissioner or something. Be like, all right, we know Solo, you were kicked away from ringside and then you came back, and so that's gonna that's gonna negate Roman's win. Uh, you guys need to meet again. Kind yeah, of thing. Do it the next night, or you do it right. at uh, Backlash, and uh, whatever. So everybody leaves angry. That's that's what you do there. Because I mean, <laughs> the only thing I'll say is that, like, yeah, they got some incredible heat, and there was some like real shock uh, faces at WrestleMania. But also, the moment that three count hit, you could see on the camera just hordes of people heading for the door. They weren't going to stick around for Roman's celebration or any kind of promo after it that might happen or anything like that. Though they missed the rubber chicken, which just, <laughs> I almost feel like it, it, that is a part of the work. Like it just adds insult to the whole <laughs> moment so badly. I love it. I missed it. I missed the rubber chicken until you sent it to me the next day. Um, I mean, I'm glad I've seen it now, but uh, this is the first time in a long time that I've been like suckered in, I think. Yeah. And like actually invested and then. Just have it pulled out from under you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. We got tripped up big time. Heckin' bamboozled. Heckin' bamboozled. Doing me a major confuse. Yeah, for so, sure. Overall. Overall, night two was, uh, except for, like, those those two matches, I would say. Yeah. And but, poor, that poor little girl da- danced with Bianca Belair. Yeah, I saw that. Her mom died, yeah. I guess, that day. Yeah. And uh, still coming to the gig. That's, it's tough. I loved seeing all those kids dance with her. Yeah. Actually, I thought they were—they all looked super hyped to be there. And like, you know, this is why this is why representation matters, right? Yeah, that's why I love Bianca Belair. She is yeah. she is the EST for sure. <laughs> she's the um, she's the equivalent of uh, you know Tito Santana, um, just like the perpetual face, you know. Yeah, I don't see how you ever turn her heel. No, like, what are you gonna do? Why would you? Yeah, right. why would you? All right, so that's our WrestleMania recap. We hope you ch- caught the preview episodes so you could see how wrong we were. That's very important. We um, did pretty good this year. Yeah, actually, we did all right. Probably about uh, 75%, I think we did. Yeah. Night one, we almost had everything, and then it was night two where we we split it, I think, something like that. So Yeah, I, I know we definitely got Omos wrong. Yeah. Yeah, we did all right. Never mind. We're brilliant. So I hope you listened <laughs> so you could hear how brilliant we are. We're freaking geniuses. <laughs> some sharks with lasers um all right so i want to just just do a little uh little plug for some stuff coming up um you guys maybe know i work at a, a university in the norfolk virginia area um our local wrestling promotion is virginia championship wrestling you've heard me talk about a couple of their shows before vcw i went to uh went to one in hampton a few weeks back and got to meet the great magnum ta which was very cool um they're actually coming and doing a uh, promotion at the university they're going to do a show in june and we're sort of working out some partnership stuff with them so stay tuned and check that out for sure all right so let's uh let's go to the beach uh I mean, I sort of live at the beach now, but this is this is the beach beach. This is Daytona Beach, Florida. Yeah. And the WCW Bash at the Beach from 1996, July 7th. Uh, attendance 8,300. Dual taglines. One is, this is no day at the beach. See what they did there? And the other one is, catch the big one, which sounds like, mm. I'm not sure what that sounds like. Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't sound uh, above board, that's for sure. No. 
Um, and on announcing for this one, we've got Tony Schiavone, we've got Bobby Heenan, we've got Dusty Rhodes, and Mike Tenay are all making the call. Um, and you want you have any background on this one before we get into it? Yeah, I mean, the big thing going into this is the hostile takeover. Uh, the Outsiders, uh, as as they inform us, are named Scott Hall and Kevin Nash, as if, as if we don't know who they are. Showed up in the in WCW, uh, kind of un, unannounced. They took advantage of the fact that the internet didn't exist. They were able to just show up, and everybody still thought that Scott and Kevin were under contract with the WWF as Diesel and Razor Ramon. They sh- they show up and they start causing chaos at the shows at the Monday Night Nitros. Um, and honestly, Nitro doesn't get very interesting until until they show up. I'll be honest with you. Sorry, everybody. I I I don't know if I'm coming down the cold or just having allergies, but uh, I've lost an octave of my voice. So <laughs> yeah, and the um the the lead into the show this is all about of course the takeover and the outsiders and lots and lots of video footage of the chaos they've been causing and the announcers throughout this thing keep asking us who is the third man yeah and at this point though they're not called the nwo they're just the outsiders and the phrase nwo even actually doesn't even come up uh yet yeah and so we we've seen at this point, Holland Nash show up, and I think we've seen Ted DiBiase showing up as the money backing the outsiders. So that's kind of like the place so that, like, they got three very well known people to the WWF audience, uh, showing up and just causing chaos and threatening to take over the company WCW. It's a very interesting confusing period for WCW because they still have heel stables operating. They still have the four horsemen. They still have the dungeon of doom being run by Kevin Sullivan, the taskmaster. Uh, and, and they're still being booked as heels. And even on this, on this show, two heels have a match against each other. And I don't know if that's to like, kind of like foreshadow, that those guys are no longer going to be really bad guys or even relevant. Nobody's going to really, <clears throat> the moment the outsiders show up and really start getting involved, you stop caring about, Oh, the four horsemen are feuding with blah, blah, blah. Or the, or the, the, the dungeon of doom looks so hokey and washed up at this point. Like they're just blah. And it, it uh, yeah. Yeah. So it's it's a total change. It really um does feel like everything else on the show is sort of an as- afterthought. You know, it's like they're doing it because they've been doing it and but it's also you can feel like it's it's like when uh like rock and roll came along, you know, and suddenly the ooby dooby uh shooby dooby stuff just start, stopped looking as sexy as it, you know? Yeah, the electric guitar just destroys everything. Uh, and kind of like that with the outsiders showing up and, you know, it's a very interesting and fun time, uh, to watch WCW. But in my opinion, a few weeks after this, the whole NWO storyline jumps the shark and is just a waste. And now it's just a, 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 uh, a ticking clock until, 
Vince ponies up money to buy them out. Yeah, it's uh, it doesn't. It's interesting. It's it was so hot and it had so much potential, and then it just sort of, it's too much, right? It, like, yeah, they just they overdo it. They overplay their hand. Um, when pretty much then every damn person in the company is eventually in the NWO. Like, what right. are we even? What are we even fighting about at this point? Right, because you end up with the New World Order, NWO, end up in NWO Hollywood, NWO Wolfpack, NWO Elite, NWO Black and White, NWO B Team, NWO 2000, <laughs> NWO Japan. Like, it's a lot. <laughs> Which one was the red? What was, what was the NWO with the red logo? I think logo? it was the Wolfpack. Oh, yeah. Right, right. Yeah. So, yeah, everything, everything on this card kind of feels like filler they're still kind of booking like wcw and like trying to hold like not show their cards but you know just when you look at the card it's fishy like why does hulk hogan not have a solo match on this card yeah there's also a shift going on here um you know as uh wcw is is leaning into the uh the smaller dudes uh, the cruiserweights, uh, Ray Mysterio and Psychosis are here. Yeah. Um, Dean Malenko. Um, there, I mean, there's still the gigant, gigantic guys on here, but, um, that, that element is coming in as well. That's yeah. actually maybe a good, um, lead into the first match, I think. Um, yeah. This, this takes place on my 16th birthday. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. It is my <laughs> 16th awesome. birthday on this, the night that changed professional wrestling drastically. Did you watch it at the time? Uh, I don't think so. I think I watched it like, uh, maybe either like a week or a month later on a, on a, at a friend's basement on a replay. Possibly. As you do. Yeah. Cause I mean, we watched a little bit of Nitro and we're like, wait a minute. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's rewind. Uh, okay. Now we need to watch it. We need to watch this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a, if you missed, if you missed this, you missed, uh, you missed some stuff. Um, yeah. So, but, oh, I guess I should say there's a, there's a couple of dark matches, um, that we don't see on this one. Jim Powers versus Hugh Morris, Steiner versus Brothers versus Harlem Heat with Sister oh. Sherry. That's Sherry Martell. How and you put that Robert Dark Parker. I know, right? I oh, that one was that actually one. broadcast on main event. Oh. Yeah. Well, I should look for it. I should watch yeah. it. Uh, Bobby Walker versus Billy Kidman. The Rock and Roll Express versus Fire and Ice, which was Scott Norton and Ice Train. That's a real wrestler's name. Yeah. And Eddie Guerrero versus Lord Steven Regal. That's one I also would like to watch, probably. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but the first card that we see, first match on the card that we see is Rey Mysterio Jr. versus Psychosis. Um, both masked, both, both luchadors. Rey Mysterio here is a tiny, tiny baby. Um he does not have the gigantic back and shoulders that he will later develop. Um, no, he, I wonder. I don't. Know, I didn't look up how old he was, but he looks he's like, like he's like twenty two or something like that. On it's the, ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. And, and like psychosis is like twenty five. So you can tell that the whole lucha thing is still new, uh, and the announcers, especially Mike Tenayer, are making a big deal about talking about the talking up the vocabulary and he's talking about the masks and how you can buy them on the street in Mexico and what a big deal the masks are. He has to um, explain things like the Hurricane Rana and the Centon. Um, he says <laughs> Bobby Heenan and uh, Dusty Rhodes, I guess, 
or was it Tony? Bobby and Bobby and somebody are having a hard time with all of the. the he's like the yeah. the Excalibur of nineteen ninety six. He's just saying all this like. Except for he's really good. Yeah. Well, right. <laughs> Excalibur sucks. I yeah. love Tony to uh, Mike Tanay. I love him. He uh, he says Inzagiri, and uh, I think it, he answers. Where do you get all these words? <laughs> <laughs> he also called something later a twisting Asahi style moonsault. Yeah, I don't know. That sounds like a shrimp you get at the at the uh, hibachi, maybe. Yeah, I mean it was it was great to listen to Mike Tanay explain that while WCW and WWF call it a Frankensteiner, the rest of the world call it a Hurricane Rana. Like literally everybody else in the world says it's a Hurricane Rana. <laughs> yeah. He also says that uh, Mysterio's idols growing up in San Diego were the Steiners, which yeah. seems really strange to me. Anyway, this is a, this is a good match. It's a, it's a lot of Arguably lot of the action. best match of the night. Yeah. <laughs> I think this match is a fascinating look at Lucha still trying to do a little bit of American-style professional wrestling. Uh, Ray Mysterio frequently shoots for the legs and locks in holds. Same with Psychosis. It's not as high-flying, flippy-dippy. As you would expect, uh, if you look at that match today, um, you would expect this to look like one of those crazy AEW 20 man ladder matches where everybody's just lining up for their turn. And this match has a really great flow to it. And, um, you can tell that they've, they're, they're watching out for each other too. Uh, Ray gets tossed out of the ring and uh, psychosis is setting up for a tope suicida. And, uh, Ray casually throws a chair out of the way, uh, so that psychosis doesn't concuss himself when he comes through the top rope. And these guys just go, go hard. And like Bobby Heenan feels out of place in this match. Everybody honestly feels out of place except for Mike Tenay on, on commentary. Though, uh, Bobby is landing some great lines. He says that one of them has hair like Ted Bundy, but he doesn't, doesn't clarify. That's pretty good. Um, there's a spot where Ray like comes down and his leg goes across the steel barrier that looked uh, really, mm-hmm. really bad. And I, I don't think he hurt himself, but I don't know how he didn't. Yeah, I agree. Bobby uh, d- definitely feels like the, the the whole thing is changing in front of him, right? And like the way that he's used to talking about the guys and, and calling these matches is is not. Yeah, the world is passing him by. Yes. Yeah. What was that Gorilla Monsoon line that you loved that one time? Oh yeah, just yeah. troubles of the world. Troubles of troubles the world. Of the world. Just, he's just watching the troubles of the world float by him. <laughs> I love it. Um, so Ray does this just bonkers move off the top turnbuckle uh, to get the win. Good match. Good start to the show. Yeah, he reverses a splash mountain kind of crucifix slam from the top rope into a hurricane rana. And locks in the pin on that in like one smooth action. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, we get a uh, um, a really solid Conan promo afterwards. Yeah, he ends with "Viva Mexico," which yeah. I appreciated. I love Conan. I know. I wonder, how old is he here? Because he looks old here. Like he just he's looks like he's young. always been old. I don't think he's that old yet. Here, is he? I don't think so either. Get the let's get the research department on that. Let's see. Born in nineteen sixty four. So he's okay. 32. 32, yeah. And he's just one of those guys who just looks old. Yeah. Speaking of guys who look old, John Tenta and Big Bubba, a.k.a. Uh, Big Boss Man later, uh, with Jimmy Hart, are coming out for a Carson City Silver Dollar match. 
Um, now, if you're not familiar with the Carson City Silver Dollar Match, which I was not, there's just basically a, a flagpole that somebody bought at the Ace Hardware, um, sort of, what, zip-tied, duct-taped to the yeah. one ring post. Yeah, um, like cargo-strapped to the ring post. And at the top of said uh, Ace Hardware flagpole is a sock uh, full of Carson City Silver Dollars. Um, they're looking awful lot like quarters but that's that's not for they me could to be say. susan b anthony's they could be <laughs> they could be um so the the thing is you gotta get up there and get the sock yeah uh, the pole is too big it immediately is like oh there's gonna be shenanigans about that pole because that pole is about 20 feet long and tenta's 400 pounds big bubba's 350 neither of them are climbing a slippery <laughs> aluminum pole for 20 feet no and so most of the match involves one or the other getting up on the turnbuckle to try to get up on the pole and then getting hit off or dropped on her nuts or whatever. Jimmy Hart eventually uh, shimmies up it. A great spot. Yeah, it's really fun. Yeah. Uh, and he gets, ends up sort of hanging off of there like uh, like what's-his-face on the clock hands. Um, Doc Brown? <laughs> I was thinking of the silent Buster Keaton. Oh. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. Generations. Also, also Doc Brown. Yeah. yeah. Um, so John Tenta has the weirdest haircut I've ever seen in my entire life. He has like half of his head shaved and then on the other side there's like a mullet. Yeah. So was he in a hair match before this? Uh, Big Bubba uh, attacked him at some point and shaved part of his head. Uh, okay. That's what it looked like. But then I thought yeah. maybe it's a choice. I don't know. He looks yeah. really good shape though. Tenta here. He looks. He does. Yeah. He looks. He looks like he's slimmed down a little bit. He's just looking really big and mean. He's strong, too. The most entertaining part of the match for me was Dusty Rhodes keeps calling uh, Big Bubba Bubber. Keeps saying Bubber. <laughs> Bubber's, going for, Bubber's going for the silver dollars. Bubber. Bubber with the spine buster on Tenta, which was impressive as hell. Yeah, they, they both can really move, actually. I was, yeah. I was sort of impressed. Um, and Heenan drops a beautiful line, too. He says that when Tenta was born, he was 187 pounds. (laughs) And then Tony Schiavone says, I don't believe that at all. (laughs) Way to get it, Tony. Tony. Thanks, Tony. Yeah, that's really funny. So Tenta eventually gets his hands on the sock and swings it at Bubba like a baseball bat. Catches him right in the yap, as they say. Yeah, he goes goes down. John Tenta gets the win. That was fun. That was dumb, but it was was entertaining. And he puts the coins on Bubber's eyes there too at the end, yeah. which is good. And then, and then Bubber has to pretend to be knocked out, and then like like he's waking up. Then, kind of uh, that was fun. Jimmy Hart, Jimmy Hart is always a good time. I like that yeah. guy. Bravo to him being willing to shimmy up that pole. He's not a young guy at this point. <laughs> no, and here he is climbing up that pole. Woo! God Get bless up there, him. Jimmy. God bless you, Jimmy Hart. Uh, so it's time for a Macho Man Sting and Luger promo. Um, so these guys. They're, they've all got face paint, um, which I love. They're, they're like color-coordinated, um, and they've been sort of chosen, or they've chosen themselves to defend. They want a drawing to face the mis- the, the, okay. the outsiders plus their mystery partner. Okay. Um, and like the whole face makeup kind of thing just feels old, too. Like yeah. it's kind of an interesting kind of like, you get this, so like just the way this whole show is presented, you get this feeling that, the earth is going to change directions at this point. Like something, something horrible is about to happen. <laughs> and, uh, Sting gives us, Sting has the best part of the promo 
completely. And like, he just starts talking about how the unknown makes him nervous. The unknown makes him excited. And the unknown gives Sting a dry mouth. And then Macho Man screams right away, Macho Man likes that. (laughs) He likes having a dry mouth? I guess so. That's a side effect of some medications. They're always talking about that on TV. Yeah, yeah. Sting cuts a hell of a good promo, though. Yeah. Yeah, they, uh, they, uh, um, the thing that kept distracting me with this one is Lex is clearly watching himself flex in the monitor. Like he sure he's, is. Like, <laughs> he's flexing his pec muscles. Mm. Like, it's like, oh, look at those striations, bro. Uh, so, anyway, but, but yeah, look that's my fun. pecs. They're dancing. <laughs> pecs dance. <laughs> <sighs> I bet he's exhausting to be around. Uh, yeah. Um, the next match is uh, DDP, Diamond Dallas Page, versus Jim Duggan. It's a taped fist match. Um, I don't know if that's a taped match about fists or a, a no, match with taped so fists. Like, at this point, Jim Duggan is doing this gimmick to where like he wraps his wrist and fist and tape and athletic tape and that like keeps it stiffer and straighter so that he can land a heavier punch. Like That's his finisher is this knockout punch with the tape. Um, and then that's, like DDP is like arguing that that's not legal or something like that. But yeah, uh, this is a weird match. This is clearly a match to like help develop DDP more. Cause he just started wrestling at this point. Um, Duggan comes out to the Washington post by John Philip Sousa. In case you're wondering what March that is. So that's uh that's uh Duggan's super hype entrance music. Good job. Well and after um so DDP gets the win, but then Duggan lays him out afterwards and then he starts a USA chant for no apparent reason. Yeah. Like like DDP's from Vegas, he's he's still American. I get it. <sighs> Whatever. Yeah, and, uh, I like like in this match that DDP was going along with all of Hacksaw's uh, old school stuff with the the backdrops and the ho and stuff like that, and like yeah. doing a really great job of getting heat. And this was the second match in a row that Athletic Tape got involved. Like uh, like they um tied uh Bubber tied uh Tenta to the ropes with Athletic Tape, and now uh. Duggan is taping uh, DDP's legs to the ring post with athletic tape. It's just like, all right, guys, the last match did this. You can you can stop, please. Yeah, I didn't get it. I didn't really pay that much attention. DDP also retains the Lord of the Ring title. So he apparently won some sort of like King of the Ring like tournament that gives was, him a ring. I thought it was like a Frodo thing. Yeah. And then I actually think that this is like the uh, like the proto of the of the diamond ring in AEW, hmm. which I think would explain why DDP awarded it the first time. Uh, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. I think that's kind of what they're going for. So hmm. anyway, interesting. Well, so snoozer <laughs> of a match. Oh my God. Yeah. I didn't give a shit at all. Mean Gene is backstage with uh, Kevin Sullivan, Kevin Sullivan, the giant and Jimmy Hart. And he starts his interview by saying, Jimmy Hart, you little twerp. <laughs> nice. <laughs> just great. Um, Paul White, um, AKA the giant is uh, not good at talking. Um, no, he's, and he talks about reclaiming still, my birthright. So he's right. So we're still talking about Andre, I guess. Yeah. He's still under the guise of being Andre, the giant's kid. Um, well, and he's wearing the black singlet with the one strap. Yeah. So really tasteless. Yeah. 
um, I feel bad for him because he still talks about people coming up to him and saying how much they loved his father and stuff like that. And he's like, you don't know my dad. (laughs) Yeah, that's too bad. Um, Also, how fucking lazy is it to be like, uh, oh, we got a a giant. uh, What's a gimmick we could give him? Well, what if he's Andre the Giant's son? Like That's that's literally the least amount of effort you could put into that idea. Right. And it's all based around the fact that Hogan needed competition. That's what it's about, yeah. and like, and they brought him in. He, I think, it, I think he said that like his first actual real professional match was the match against Hulk Hogan for the championship. Wow, yeah, Damn. <laughs> he had been in like wrestling school for like two weeks. They taught him how to bump, and that's about it. And he was still having a rough time with that. And if you go and watch that match, yeah. It shows. You can tell, uh, yeah. Well, and you can tell a little bit later here too when he's out. So, um, well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. There's a no. There's a interview on their beach set with uh, Chris Benoit and Arn Anderson. Arn is wearing the world's largest glasses. Um, he looks like an '80s high school gym teacher, which is what I really like. Um, and Benoit also describes himself as silent but violent, which all I yes. could think of was like like a cabbage fart. Like yeah. And Arn says that that's the way of the world. Like he, Arn. Is this a classic promo here? It's not quite as good as his uh, his Glock uh, Glock <laughs> promo in AEW, which is still the best promo in AEW history. But uh, yeah, this was a good one. And Chris saying that he's silent but violent. I'm like, well, you're no longer silent because he just talked. So, <laughs> but okay. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, the next one is uh, the Nasty Boys, Knobs and Sags versus Public Enemy. And hopefully they paid some uh, rights for that, which is Rocco Rock and Johnny Grunge. Neither of those guys are still living, by the way. Really? Um, yeah. I had to look the, it up. Uh, the team is monster cringe, in my opinion. Yeah, it's like, not it's good. Just, they're like very, very white guys like and doing like hip-hop culture stuff. Like it's, it's not almost good. like they wanted to be like a edgier version of men on a mission almost like it's, <laughs> it's questionable. It's pushing, it's pushing the boundaries a little bit in the wrong way. WCW. They wanted to be like the fat beastie boys. Yeah. But beastie boys are talented. It's kind of a garbage match. It goes on forever. And it, the other thing that annoyed me is it goes on forever. And nobody even bleeds, which is like, you guys are both tied together with dog collars. How are you not bleeding? Like seriously. Right. And then there's multiple failed table spots, which made me laugh. Because they didn't gimmick the table. It's very clear that they didn't gimmick it. It's so um, dumb. And then there's also a moment where like the lifeguard chair falls over on the beach set. And it falls down on top of their chain. And they can't move. They're both stuck. And so like the camera whips away real quick. So that I assume someone can help lift the chair off the chain. Oh, that's too funny. Because it also like locked up enough of the chain to where neither guy could actually move to actually help themselves. <laughs> That could have been dangerous. Yeah. One spot I I did like was, um, I don't know who was who, it doesn't matter, but one of the public enemy guys are sort of hanging from the ropes by their chain, by the neck, and it sort of stretched across the rope, and they use it to clothesline the other guy. Yeah, the finish spot. That was pretty clever. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, And Heenan also says that uh, one nasty boy is going to do this, do, uh, is going to bury him in the sand like a cat does. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Yeah. Um who got for the uh, most part Bobby Heenan is the MVP of the of this first part of the show. Yeah. As he is on pretty much every show. Um it's either it's always either him or uh, Sherry. Yeah. 
So, um, so the Nasty Boys won that one. Actually, I didn't write that down. Uh, yes, Nasty Boys won that yeah, one. It doesn't matter. Uh, mean Gene is backstage trying to get the outsiders to come talk to him. He's he has no luck. And they're constantly talking about security. Yeah, and heightened cops around. And then, like, suddenly the bomb gets dropped that the third man is in the building. How did he get in there? How did he get in there? How did he get in? With he all the security? That's how he bought it. That's all he bought a ticket. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I, I like there's a spot a little bit later on where he's out in front of that door and he, he's talking about how he can hear somebody in there and it sounds a little bit familiar. Um, so almost like I interviewed him eight million times over the past yeah. 20 years. Um, Dean Malenko is here versus Disco Inferno for the WCW Cruiserweight Championship. I believe the last time we saw Disco Inferno, he was uh, ducking a match with Jacqueline, uh, which yes. was a good idea because she then promptly whooped his ass. Yeah. Um, Dean Malenko is kind of a badass. I sort of like that guy. Man of a thousand holds. Man of a thousand holds. He is... Uh... Not friendly when you meet him in person. Oh, really? <laughs> no. No, he was not friendly at all to my pal Mike. And uh, oh, Mike well. is very angry that he spent any money on getting his autograph. Oh, fuck that guy then. Yeah. Well, I'm angry at him for stealing my gimmick before I got to it, which is the Dean of Wrestling. Because I, I want to call myself the Dean of Wrestling and I don't want to have to trademark. Off. Yeah. Say trademark after every time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I should check that, actually. You should get a lucha mask with, like, books on it. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Anyways, I initially put down that, like, Disco Inferno was going to die in this match. <laughs> and for the most part, he gets his ass kicked. But he keeps he keeps fighting back from underneath. And, like, and then suddenly you kind of find yourself rooting for Disco. Like, he's constantly, like, fighting back and not, like... Not like, uh, like really getting over top, and then like, uh, Dean keeps pushing him down and whipping him, and putting him in different stretches and different holds and different, just different punishments. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and Dean comes out with a hot, hot attack, uh, at the start. He rips off his, uh, belt and throws it to the ref, throws off his vest and slaps the shit out of Disco Inferno immediately. It's like, set the tone right away. It's good, but he doesn't respect him. Um, and so I thought that this match actually had some decent story t- telling and like got, got disco over. I thought Dean Malenko did a great job in making disco Inferno look better than what he really is. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's sort of a joke wrestler a little bit, but right. Like, so that, I mean, if you're going to beat somebody, uh, that's the way to do it and where you can have him actually shine a little bit. So, um, and Dean Dusty Malenko? is using a great phrase in this match where he says he could uncle him. He could uncle him, which I think he means like make him like submit or tap out oh. or something like that. Like he could uncle him. He could he uncle him. Uncle as a verb. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Um, <laughs> so Dean Malenko wins. He retains the Cruiserweight Championship. Um, yeah. He landed a nasty brain buster on Disco Inferno early in the match, but Disco fought back from that. But... Uh, Disco was not getting out of the Texas Cloverleaf that uh, Malenko locked in on him, which was a beautiful, beautiful execution of that hold. <laughs> yeah, nobody gets out of that one. No. Uh, let's see. We're we're rolling along here. Steve McMichael, uh, a.k.a. Mungo, uh-huh. 
uh, it was with Queen Deborah and Deborah Marshall versus Joe Gomez, um, which has to be the most generic wrestling name I can think of. Um, they make a big deal about Mongo's uh, football background. He's wearing a football jacket. Um, there's lots of spots where, like, there's one spot where Gomez, like, basically just waits by the ropes for Mongo to come place kick him. Like, you can see him, like, yeah. just sort of waiting and watching. <laughs> Yeah, this is this is uh, right after McMichael gets uh, initiated into the Four Horsemen. Uh, so, uh, which is some bullshit. I don't think he should have been in in the Four Horsemen. But here we are. What can you do? Uh, hopefully, his ALS isn't bothering him too much. Uh, but let's stay focused on on the issue at hand. Is that I'm pretty certain that this match only existed to give McMichael ring experience with someone that looks exactly like him. <laughs> Yeah, how do they find his doppelganger? I don't know. There's moments where you can't even tell who is who. They're even wearing like the same style wrestling trunks and the long hair. Just Joe Gomez is a little bit darker complected than Steve McMichael, who is pasty white. I hear that's how you do it. You put them in there with uh, somebody who's absolutely indistinguishable. Yeah. So, um, Deborah's poodle was very cute. Adorable. Uh, he's definitely dead by now, so we should make sure to mention him in the in memoriam. Yeah. Right. Ninety six, two thousand six. Yeah. No, that's twenty some years. He's that's a dead. That's a dead poodle. There's another little interview with Mean Gene and Flair. Woohoo! Um, woman is there. That's uh, yeah. AKA Mrs. Benoit. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. R.I.P. And Miss Elizabeth is also here um, because Flair needs two female valets at um, all times. At all Minimum. times. Uh, Elizabeth looks like high or something here like her hair is all fucked up her she looks like spaced out like she always looks like a shivering chihuahua to me i don't she does not look good here i don't know like what at what point this was with sort of some of her problems um i was a little bit worried about her to be honest yeah so. <clears throat> yeah and so now we have rick flair versus conan for the u.s title yeah why is rick flair fighting for a mid-card belt i don't know it's very strange um, it's the, hmm. yeah, the U.S. Something fishy is happening on this card if Ric Flair <laughs> is fighting for a mid-card belt. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, this is a, this is a pretty classic Flair match. I mean, we get yeah. sort of all of the stuff. Um, we get all the, we get all the moves. He, uh, he does the, the big knee drop, does the flip over the turnbuckle, does a hilarious face bump. Yeah. Um, gets a very very dirty pin uh maybe maybe from the worst ref ever there i gotta say yeah potentially because like flair has his legs up on the top rope yeah <laughs> not just like the both lower rope for a little leverage <laughs> but he's got both legs he's practically vertical on top of conan's chest for the finish it's very weird um and conan locks in a figure four on flair which top notch looks great um and uh Dusty again, killing me. Uh, woman lands a low blow on Conan, and he goes, "She kicked him low." I wrote that down too. How many? Uh, <laughs> how many O's did you put on yours when you wrote it down? Uh, one, two, three, four, five, and then four W's. <laughs> I did just. I just did four. Uh, four O's, uh, one W. I like yours better. <laughs> that was really low. <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah, the ref um like slides in like right next to Flair's shoulders, like 
It's like laser focused. Like, yeah. like he can't even see Flair's legs because uh, Flair's shoulders are in the way. Like that's that's not a good position for a ref. No. Like you just no. look like a fucking moron. And it's another another moment where like the ring positioning just seems off. Like the the end of Joe Gomez and Steve McMichael, uh, that was off. Uh, multiple times their ring positioning was off. And then at the end, Gomez, you could see Gomez like actively curl his legs back so they weren't in the ropes for the pin after the tombstone. Um, and now this one, Conan, like, he just needs to like move his arm an inch and he's in the ropes. Like, it, it's so bad that they're so close like that. Um, but there were some good moments in this woman screaming like a banshee outside of the ring was, was classic. Uh, and then Conan locks Flair into a surfboard stretch and then modifies it into like a weird bow and arrow that just looks ouchies, 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 like, or, or really helpful. Like maybe I need a good back crack or something like that'll do it. Yeah. I haven't seen much Conan, honestly. Um, the most I saw of him was sort of doing the manager role in Lucha, uh, Lucha Underground. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's decent here. All right. So Flair gets the pin. He's the new U.S. heavyweight champion. Um, mean Gene is still in the back trying to find a third man. This is the part where he's outside the door. He's like, it sounds familiar. Uh, and that goes on way too long. Yeah. Uh, one more match before the main thing here. And this is the Dungeon of Doom, which is the Giant, and the Taskmaster, which is Kevin Sullivan, with Jimmy Hart versus the Four Horsemen, Arn Anderson and Chris Benoit. Um, there's, yeah, I don't, there's a bunch of story going into this that I don't really care. Um, this no. thing is kind of a mess. It is a very much of a mess. Um, so as they're coming out, Steve McMichael jumps, uh, the giant and the giant goes chasing back after him, leaving Sullivan alone for a good period of time. And Jimmy Hart goes chasing after the giant to try and wrangle him back to the ring. I didn't understand why two heel stables are fighting, especially when like you have the outsiders showing up and everyone is so concerned about that. Like why isn't there more of a, of, of a joining forces kind of thing? Why are you just leaving the faces to deal with it? Well, yeah. Plus how interesting would it be to have both the, a face contingent to face the, uh, the invaders and a heel contingent to fight them off. You know, right. that's a that's a good thing. And uh, we were watching this, and Jackie said Kevin Sullivan looks like great value Hulk Hogan. Uh, he does. He does. That's <laughs> very accurate. <laughs> he's even got the same color trunks, and he's got he's got the hair, but it's shittier. Um, I haven't gotten over him stealing uh, Rick Steiner's dog at the one show that we watched. Um, no. So fuck Which that guy Rumble, forever. Right? Yeah. 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 Actually, fuck both of those guys. So, um, who who wins this thing? The dungeon, right? Uh, I believe so. Yes. Um. They got sand everywhere. <laughs> Arn shows his age in this match. He gets put into a slingshot and he can't get up to actually slingshot himself. <laughs> it's bad. That's bad. Um, that makes me but sad. But he looks like your friend's tough as fuck dad rolling <laughs> into to kick the shit out of you for hitting a ball into their yard. Like that's, <laughs> that's what he looks like. Balding, super hairy, muscular, kind of like dad bodish muscular though aviator glasses he's ready to throw down just needs a couple natty ices in him and he'll be ready to go he's definitely going to get into it with your other uncle at the barbecue oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> so For we sure. get we get a long um video recap of the third man but it's really lame like it's it's there's no narration it's all just um <laughs> it's it's a weird powerpoint it's video clips yeah with bad music and like it's very 80s looking it's not great um 
and then that gets us to the announcement from Michael Buffer, uh, and he's he's very dramatically reads his his lines. Yeah. He says, "A group of outsiders have threatened the sanctity of WCW, and three men have been selected to defend the honor and very existence of WCW." Just all right. Thank you. Yeah. You're kind of like, well, is WCW over after this then? Right. So this is, um, we haven't said this part, I guess we should. So the Outsiders is Kevin Nash and Scott Hall um, versus Randy Savage, Sting and Lex Luger and an unnamed third person on the Outsiders side who has yet to appear. And uh, using Macho Man and Lex, I thought were good swerves because the fans would both remember them from having long or recent WWF runs. So, um that leads leads you astray a little bit to make you think that oh maybe maybe this is going to be like a totally new wrestler that we haven't seen before or something like that. But something's fishy in the air. You know, there's <laughs> no doubt, you know. So Luger gets sort of gets injured, quote unquote, early on, and the paramedics strap him to the stretcher and wheel him out. So that uh, gets us down to a two on two. There's some there's some halfway decent action here. Sting gets the upper hand on Hall. He tags in Macho Man, who has some trouble with Hall, and then Nash gets in. And Macho Man has even more trouble with Nash. I say um, Kevin Nash actually looks halfway decent here. He's yeah, he's doing some big elbows in the corner. Um, there's a really hot comeback from Macho and uh, Sting, where Nash is holding um, Sting and kind of falls backwards, and Sting is able to get the hot tag to Macho Man. I thought that was a really cool spot. Yeah. There was a sloppy little botch out of Macho Man and Nash where uh, Nash went to drop an elbow and Macho Man was supposed to move so that he would miss, but uh, Macho didn't move fast enough and he caught Nash's elbow right to the temple Oops. as Nash fell down full weight on him. And uh, that looked a little rough and Macho definitely looked a little stunned, but uh, I guess everything was all right. I would not want Kevin Nash's full weight dropped on me. Yeah. No. No, thank you. <laughs> Hard pass. Um, so eventually, we get to a point where the faces are are laid out. They're just uh, they're just everybody's everybody's down. And then here comes Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan comes rolling down to the ring with a chair, and everybody's flipping their shit. This is it. He's coming this to is help. It. This is he's coming to help. He's coming to save WCW. Right. Even uh, even uh, Heenan is excited for Hogan to come help. He hates Hulk Hogan. Right. He's always been his nemesis, you know. He's like, and he's, oh, he's here. He's going to help. But then Heenan does say, well, what side is he on? And they all tell him to shut up. That There's no way. There's no way Hulk Hogan is on the side of the outsiders. He's here to protect WCW. Wrong. Wrong. So he gets in the ring uh, and then just proceeds to drop a big leg on the macho man and high five the outsiders uh and there's this weird moment watching it like so i f- at first as i'm watching i'm like well that was that's kind of underwhelming and but i think it's just sort of the crowd just can't process what, what it's seeing it's, yeah they're like they can't, they can't process it he's been a good guy for 16 years yeah. <laughs> they're know? not they're not even reacting really um i'm like well this feels like a dud and then like and then, like, then it starts to, then it starts to take hold. So Hall gets down and he drops another leg on um, Macho Man, and then gets the pin. And Hall comes, counts out Macho Man, um, and then the three of them are just in the ring, you know, laughing it up, having a good time. And here comes the trash and the beer cups. Yeah. Except uh, for there's one fan in an ECW shirt yep. in the front row. <laughs> that guy's fucking is loving it, loving every moment of it. He. <laughs> He's like, I told you forever. I told you this is great. He just wants to watch the world burn. That's, 
That's, he's an ECW fan. That's he's the ECW, ECW ethos. Show. That's you their know? whole thing. Right. Watch the world burn. Just yeah. do it. And uh, I flag that guy yeah. too. He was he was having a fantastic time. Um, so and uh, so Mean Gene comes in and uh, he says, Hulk Hogan, what in the world are you thinking? And Mean Gene and Hulk Hogan says, Mean Gene, the first thing you got to do is tell these people to shut up if they want to hear what I have to say. And then he kind of goes on. He's like, this is the future of wrestling. You can call us the new world order of wrestling, brother. Um, and he says, you fans can stick it, brother. If it wasn't for Hulk Hogan, you people wouldn't be here, which he's kind of right, even though it's hard to swallow. Um, yeah. And then he refers to it as the new world organization twice instead of the new world order. So I'm not sure which one was the error there. Uh, um, new world order sounds saying. better. But new world organization or anything. I thought he was saying he kept saying there's new blood, new blood, right? He says new world organization like twice oh, yeah. in the rest of that um thing. But the ring is is totally trashed. Like <laughs> they're practically standing on the uh on the all the trash that's flying in there. Um, yeah, Mean Gene's got to dry clean that jacket. <laughs> that tux is 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 ruined. And Tony on the microphone says, we have seen the end of Hawkamania. Hulk Hogan, you can go to hell. We're out of here. Straight to hell. That's how the, that's how the broadcast ends. Yep. Roll the credits. Yeah. Hulk Hogan also lands another amazing line. And he says that if it wasn't for Hulk Hogan, Eric Bischoff would still be selling meat from a truck in Minneapolis. <laughs> that's great. That's great. Which again, he's he's kind of right. I mean, he was responsible yeah. for so much of what happened with wrestling, for good or bad, you know. Yeah, and he's the reason why WCW still kind of actually exists, just because mm-hmm. him jumping ship kind of gave them a, a shot in the arm that they really needed. They probably would have never gotten a, a Monday Night Primetime show without having Hulk Hogan come over. Yeah, I agree. I agree because they, they had some stars, but they didn't have the star. So yeah, this it's a big deal. Yeah, this is this is the 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 moment that changes everything. There's a there's a fan at a WCW show so angry that he's miming oral sex at Hulk Hogan from the front row, and he's right next to the ECW guy. So like you can see, you got both worlds happening there. The people that are like, "Oh, this is amazing! Hulk Hogan's a bad guy now," and then the other people that are just like devastated to the core. They can't exist anymore, and. uh so, um, so Jack and I were talking about, you know, other heel turns since that would have been anywhere close. And I mean, we had, we were having a hard time. I mean, um, Stone Cold kind of joining up with Mr. McMahon at one of the, the WrestleManias that we saw was, was pretty stunning. Um, but I don't know. It's, it's been, I don't, and I don't know of anybody now that the fans would like, react as much to if they if this happened can you think of anybody no i mean they could have done this possibly with john cena maybe but you know at the same time i don't think people would have cared as much as they cared then because this outsider storyline was already just like you you tolerated the boring parts of nitro just to get to the segments with the outsiders showing up and like you know the next nitro People are rolling in with NWO shirts, homemade NWO shirts, because they're not out there yet. And uh, fans kind of like it. <laughs> they kind of get into it. And it's kind of like uh, WCW finally entering an attitude era of itself, as opposed to like this, like, you know, where the big boys play kind of thing gets gets tossed out. And like now it's all about the story and it's about the, the, the chaos yeah. and factions as opposed to like 
Well, they had a good match on Monday night. That was some good wrestling. Uh, it's wrestling in now. They're, they've they've jumped over to sports entertainment. Yeah, hundred percent. It's uh, comic books come to life all of a sudden. Um, so it's a it's a big moment. Um, and Hulk Hogan is relevant again. Yeah, he was kind of blah, not relevant. You know, the giant is the champion at this point. He doesn't. He, he wins the title at Sturgis in, a, in another month after this, and uh, that's when he spray paints the NWO onto the belt. But yeah, he's Hogan is practically irrelevant. He's just another face cog at WCW. That like, you know, people are getting tired of looking at him because they were tired of him at WWF. He needed to do something. Yeah. Yeah, he had definitely kind of worn it out at WWF. And if you watch some of those 90s things where he's still hanging around, it just, you can tell the whole thing has moved on and he's still there. Um, so, that's, I mean, he's good on, on him. an early episode of Monday Night Raw and yeah. it just doesn't, it just doesn't feel right. That yeah. character just doesn't fit in the show. He doesn't fit in in it. It just, yeah, it was weird. So, um, I think, you know, I don't know if we really need to go best mess match worst match on this one um, but it is it is a big deal like i said it's a big part of our sort of continuing uh hawk hogan story um we did then the next one sort of chronologically would have been the wrestlemania with the rock probably uh which we've already done so go back and check yeah. that episode out is that 19 i think so yeah yeah wrestlemania from, 19 from rock hollywood Brazilian. um so check out that episode that's uh again another emotional kind of important Hulk Hogan moment. That's a, that's a really good one. So as we always do, we like to wrap up by just paying tribute to the men and women that we've seen in this show who are no longer with us. So our in memoriam for bash at the beach. 96 includes Bobby, the brain Heenan, uh, dusty Rhodes, mean Gene Okerlund announcer, Lee Marshall referee, Randy Anderson, Sherry Martell, AKA sister Sherry on this show. John Tenta, later a.k.a. Earthquake, Big Bubba, a.k.a. Big Boss Man, Rocco Rock and Johnny Grunge from Public Enemy, Woman, a.k.a. Nancy Benoit, Miss Elizabeth, Chris Benoit, Scott Hall, Macho Man Randy Savage, and Miss Deborah's Poodle. All right. Well, we hope you've enjoyed uh, going back to uh, the Bash at the Beach with us, and we hope you uh, will send us your comments, your questions, your insights. You can send it to all the WrestleManias at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at WrestleMania Pod. We have pretty active Facebook groups at all the WrestleManias. Find us on Instagram. Find us on TikTok. Find us on YouTube. We're out there. We're uh, looking for your content, your questions, your interactions. We like hearing from you, so uh, don't be shy. If you'd like to support the show, you can go to ko-fi.com uh, slash all the WrestleManias and drop us five bucks. We had to upgrade our uh, recording system here. Uh, our, our old uh, platform sort of got real expensive real quick, so we had to find a replacement um, and things like that do do come out of our pocket so we just set it up in case anybody feels like supporting the show totally up to you obviously um and of course you can find us at all the wrestlemanias.com or on all of your favorite podcast apps so for now i guess i'm your co-host tim and i'm your co-host rich and we will see you next time <laughs>